are back here on the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, it's Wednesday, middle of the week. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, Chris. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine and dandy. It's been, a, it's been an interesting week already. Uh, Steelers, of course, getting ready to head to Jacksonville. So are you and Dayon. Um, but uh, we got to talk about this receiver situation that the Steelers have right now because, you know, we've been, you know, we've been talking for the past several weeks about how balanced this group is and how Ben Roethlisberger, hit the, at least the balance of how he distributes the football has been this season. You look at the way that he's gotten the ball around for the first five or six weeks Roethlisberger had a different leading receiver for every single game. And uh, that's led to some pretty good results. The offense is in the top five in scoring in the NFL. And uh, right now, his top three receivers are all hovering within 100 yards of each other. Juju Smith-Schuster leads the team with 516 receiving yards. Claypool right behind him with 500. Deontay Johnson behind him with 426. Dale, is there really – a, a number one receiver of this group or is this kind of just like you know what you are all talented we're going to use you in these different ways well there's a little bit of both um i think what we've seen is when roethlisberger gets in trouble or when the steelers need something badly he comes out and goes to juju smith schuster right and he talked about that a couple of weeks ago you know he's the guy that i trust uh you know i've been with him the longest so you know we've seen that when they've needed a drive for example in baltimore or against the, uh, I'm sorry, against the, the Cowboys, uh, you know, they need, a co- they need a touchdown, and it's four passes to Juju Smith-Schuster, including a touchdown pass, um, you know. But I, I think, you know, at times he will – that's the guy, if he's going to force the ball to somebody, I think it's often to, to Juju, whereas, you know, most of the time it's, hey, just throw the ball to the open guy or the guy that he feels has the best matchup. Yeah, and we've seen that work. I mean, Mike Tomlin was talking about that not too long ago, saying, you know, we're letting defenses dictate where we go. You want to take away one guy? We'll go to the other guy. Um, and that certainly worked for the Steelers um, because, you know, again, they're, they're, one of the, they're one of the top-ranked offenses in the NFL. I believe they're ranked, uh, what, uh, fourth? Uh, fourth in scoring offense right now. They're ranked uh, – they, they, they're not – it's funny, they're not ranked – extremely high in yards and passing, but they have, but Ben Roethlisberger has the fifth most touchdown passes in the NFL right now. Um, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty crazy when you consider it per game, because Tom Brady's played one more game. He actually bumps up to fourth in touchdown passes per game. Um, that efficiency has led to success for Ben Roethlisberger, but over the past few years, and I think part of this is because our brains are spoiled, Dale, because we had when you, when you watch the Steelers, you've been used to for the past eight-ish years of Antonio Brown being the number one guy and then there being a number two guy in Juju or Martavis or somebody else who's been fitting in there. And we've just been used to that structure. And it's kind of hard to break out of that mold and understand this is a whole new group with different talented guys that do different things. Yeah, it's very much like what the Rams have with their system, uh, with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and now and now Josh Reynolds uh, kind of emerging there. And they've always kind of had that. You know, it was it was Cook before. They've always had those three receivers that they relied on. Steelers are very much, uh, you know, in that that vein of an offense right now. Where, okay, you want to take away the slot guy? Well, we'll throw to the outside. You want to you want to take away one of the outside guys? We'll go to the slot and the other outside guy. So 
it really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, we saw it a lot against the Bengals. You know, they had a good matchup uh, uh, with the one cornerback on the outside and then the slot corner. Uh, and, and even at that, they still went after William Jackson at times. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna throw to the open guy. You know, the, the Bengals were trusting William Jackson in some one-on-one situations, and they got burned by those. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's really a balanced offense, and I don't know what you do necessarily to stop it because, uh, you know, as we saw last week, the Bengals packed everybody up uh, close to the line of scrimmage, and Roethlisberger then started hitting some of those uh, intermediate uh, passes. He can still do that quite well, um, you know, so – uh, he's just manipulating things with his mind, the defense with his mind, uh, using the pump fakes, doing all the, the little things that, uh, you know, make him a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, he really does. And also, he doesn't forget his other targets. I mean, we talked about the top three guys. Eric Ebron uh, has three touchdown receptions. James Washington has three touchdown receptions. Each of these guys, when you take away the other options, he makes a point to say, okay, I'll go to this guy over here. And then you got to worry about them. Um and uh, he, he's, made the, he's made that work. Uh, I, I think that speaks a lot to Ben Roethlisberger, but it also speaks to the depth of the receiving group that they've put together. And, again, that includes Eric Ebron. You brought up how he's basically just a wide receiver at the tight end position for the Steelers team. Um, where, what do you think is the pecking order moving forward for this team? I know we are still halfway into this season, a little over. I don't have the foggiest idea, Chris. I mean <laughs> – it, it, it's just, again, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, everybody gets so focused on who's the number one and who's number two. Well, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, as you saw last week, they could all be relevant in the same game. It wasn't that, that Chase Claypool caught two touchdown passes and that came at the expense of everybody else. Or Deontay Johnson had six catches for 116 yards and nobody else did anything. All three of them across the board were, were relevant in that football game and were a big part of the reason why they scored 36 points. Right, and, and I, I get that. But my point in bringing this up is before the season was talking, there was all sorts of debate. And again, I know that right now the Steelers themselves don't care about this. They're worried about winning. But we were talking a lot about how, you know, if, if, it, if push comes to shove at the end of the season with the salary cap shrink potentially shrinking with – T.J. Watt needing to be signed, Hayward needing to be extended, all these other things, that Juju was going to have to be a salary cap casualty for the Steelers and just be one that they just got to let go into free agency. But with him producing the way that he has and still being a reliable reliable, uh, target for Ben Roethlisberger, if Ben does plan to stick around for this year and another year or two after that, it seems like it would make sense to say that Juju should probably stay a part of that equation, even if it's just for another couple of years, kind of the way they did for Emmanuel Sanders when he stuck around for an extra year. Yeah, I don't know with what money they would do that with unless Ben Roethlisberger is willing to take a pay cut to make sure that Juju Smith-Schuster sticks around. Otherwise, they don't have the money to pay $15 million to a receiver. They just don't. And you think that's what it would take to keep a Juju around even for like There's a- not a doubt in my mind, Chris. He's a 25-year-old wide receiver uh, who, who's, who's proven if he gets to the open market, he's getting at least $15 million, if not more. $15 million. Yeah, that would be too steep for my blood. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but no, baby, that, that's the thing is that right now the chemistry with this offense just seems so on point because of all the different options that they have. And if you take out Juju, who's right now is the leading receiver. It could change. That, I mean, that very well could easily change next week with Chase Claypool, you know, taking over. 
Um, but, you know, it just – it seems like losing that would be losing a big piece. But, again, the Steelers right now, they're concerned about winning the games this season. They're undefeated, and they're getting ready to continue that streak. They've got a lot of great players uh, on, on this roster, a lot of players that are either very good or great and extremely talented. And those players right now are, be, are being considered for different awards and honors to go to the end of the season. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about which, which of those players are the most deserving and have the best chance to get some of those awards right after this break. the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Now, Dale, Pro Bowl voting has begun. And this is a weird year with everything else that's going on. But at least people can still Pro Bowl vote the way that they normally Pro Bowl vote. Just log on from your home computer and put your votes in online for who, who's going to make what. I wanted to get a sense from you where Steelers fans could most likely see their favorite players getting the the best accolades because there's pro bowl, there's all pro. And then there's the, the individual awards like defensive MVP, you know, the offensive rookie of the year, defense rookie of the year, you know, uh, MVP of all those different things. There are players who are, are parking, poking up before we get to the event individual awards. How many Steelers do you think legit have a legitimate chance to be named to a pro bowl roster this season? I would say five or six. Okay. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, on offense, I think Roethlisberger goes in the AFC. They take three quarterbacks. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously Mahomes is one. Uh, I think Josh Allen and, and Ben Roethlisberger are the next two, um, given, you know, on the way their teams are playing and the way that they've played. Um, that might be it on offense, unless, you know, a guy like Pouncey or DeCastro gets – gets voted in, uh, you know, based on uh, reputation a little bit. Right. That's the way it goes with offensive linemen. Uh, defensively, I mean, Watts a, Watts a slam dunk. I think Hayward is certainly deserving as well. I think Tewitt is deserving and Dupree are deserving. Uh, I don't know if all four of them make it off of that defensive front, but they're certainly deserving. And, and then you look at uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, he probably gets in. Uh, I know Steeler fans aren't super happy with, uh, with the way he's played all season long. But he's made splash plays, and I think he, he gets in there. The thing about it this year is that to make the Pro Bowl this year, it's not going to be like previous years where, uh, you know, seven guys turned it down, so this guy goes, or this guy's team is, is going to the Super Bowl, so he goes. this one goes instead. Um, this is going to be a straight – the guys who get voted in or voted onto the team, those are your Pro Bowlers this year. There's not going to be 150 Pro Bowl guys. So is this going to be like how James Conner made the Pro Bowl a couple of years ago? when he was just an alternate that came in because, you know, other guys passed it up. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's going to be more of a, a true honor this year. Um, not quite to the level of all pro, um, you know, because they only pick one of those teams. Well, two of them really first and second team, right. uh, but for both conferences where, you know, essentially the best guys from each conference, 
uh, at their positions. You know, this is going to be more of a true vote. And, you know, we'll see when it comes to – I think the one that's going to be the most interesting is to it because unlike uh, Cam Hayward, you know, a couple of years ago, the Steelers changed that D.E. by his name to a D.T. Right. Uh, to it is still considered a D.E., uh, defensive end in this system, even though he plays the same exact position that Hayward does. And it's, it's more difficult to make it as a defensive end because all the edge rushers and outside linebackers and, you know, regular defensive ends are, are in that same kind of, you know, vote. No, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I remember when they announced that because Cam Hayward couldn't sniff the Pro Bowl or an All-Pro because he was dealing with Khalil Mack and, uh, you know, you know, uh, all the edge right, Vaughn Miller and a- anyone who was an edge rusher that was just like, I'm a defensive end. It's why it's also why Bud Dupree wanted to be de- designated a defensive end so he can get a higher pay grade uh, with his uh, with his uh, franchise tag. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it's really interesting when we look at uh, when we look at how this this defense is built on so many different moving parts. I mean, you see Stephon to it and yes, he's listed a defensive end, but when you look at all those guys that, that are up there in, in, in the sack totals, the only guy who's an interior defensive lineman who's higher than him is Aaron Donald and Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. Um, I also wanted to bring back on the one thing, one more thing before we move on from the pro bowl voting. Do you think there's a chance that Chase Claypool might make a pro bowl because right now he does have seven receiving touchdowns and he has two rushing touchdowns, so nine rushdowns in total. The, the only receiver that in the in the NFL has more total touchdowns than him at this point is Tyreek Hill, with with uh, with ten. Claypool has nine, and again, that's considering the other guys in the AFC. Who I think the next closest people behind him in the AFC are, let's see, uh, Will Fuller with six, AJ Brown with six, um, Keenan Allen with five, and Juju with five. Do you think Claypool has a shot if he keeps putting up some of these big plays we've been seeing? I just don't see it happening. I mean, there's there's too many other receivers that are putting up big yardage totals, that are putting up big catch totals. That uh, you just mentioned a few of them right there that are going to make it over him. Uh, the only other guy who could potentially make it would be Ray Ray McLeod as a return guy. That would be interesting. He has been a, a very good to spectacular returner for the Steelers, extremely consistent. But let's go to the individual awards too now. There's, yeah, I think that the, obviously there's two awards that the Steelers have the best chance at right now, and they're not going to win either one of them. You don't think you don't think Ben Roethlisberger wins Comeback Player of the Year over Alex nope. Smith? He has no chance. You think Alex? I'm telling, you, I'm telling you that right now, he has no chance. Thank you for the heads up. Inside the <laughs> from Dale, he has no chance because I mean, just look at the the national uh, push for Alex Smith. This is this is the story of the year. For a lot of people, even though Roethlisberger's by far been the more effective player and the better player and will have played more snaps by the time this season's over, Alex Smith, is you can just hand him the award now. I mean, he did almost die, I, I guess, from his surgery or whatever. But, um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's wild to just hear. It's not even a thought in your mind. I know you're a guy. You do Hall of Fame voting. You know what the, you know what this culture's like. You know what's being said in the background. So, ladies and gentlemen, listen to Dale when he's talking about this kind of stuff. And I guess – do you also think the same thing about T.J. Watt? There's no chance that he gets Defensive Player of the Year either. Well, there's a better chance of that. But, you know, the fact that Watt plays on a, a defense that also includes, a, you know, a number of other very good players may hurt him a little bit in this one. Um, now, if he finishes 
uh, with better numbers than my, he's in the conversation with Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald. Um, you know, I, I honestly, it, you know, to me, I think Donald ends up winning this. Uh, I couldn't vote for Miles Garrett over top of the of the other two guys because he plays on a bad defense. Right. But if you look at what the Rams defense is doing, and the Rams are coming on, I think the Rams are going to win that division and, and and make some noise in the playoffs. Donald's going to be a big reason for that. Not that Watt isn't with the Steelers, but Aaron Donald's a three-time winner of that award. Aaron Donald's going to end up getting the nod on that one. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. When you look at the top sack guys in the NFL right now, Miles Garrett leads with nine and a half, and Watt and Donald are each right behind him with nine. But the thing is, is that, again, Aaron Donald is a defensive tackle. He's not supposed to be up there. Historically, that's the edge rusher's position, and both of those guys are edge rushers. Um, it's crazy to think that Donald is in this discussion. And, again, he's not sneaking anyone anymore. People are, are triple teaming and double teaming him all, you know, every game and he's still producing like this. Um, the other thing that I think you, that you look at here, which, again, might work in his favor, is, you know, you talked about how the other parts of, the other parts of his defense are very good to great. Um, he's only behind Garrett in about half a sack. He's only behind Garrett in one tackle, but he has twice as many tackles for losses over Garrett and Donald. He has 14, they have seven. And he has twice as many quarterback hits on Miles Garrett, 28 to his 14 and 28 to Aaron Donald, 17. And he has an interception and six passes broken up, whereas neither of them, you know, play that play in a position that allows them to do that as much. Um, the only other area where they really dominate over him is that he hasn't forced a fumble yet this season. Garrett's forced four, Donald's forced three. Um, if you had to give, I guess, a percentage chance for what, among these guys, where would you kind of put it? Like a 25%, a 10%? Like what, what kind of range do you think Steelers fans could look for here? It's 33%. I think those three guys are one oh, of those three is going to win the award and it's going to depend on who finishes the strongest. That's going to be very interesting to keep watch on. Um, is there anything else that I might be missing as far as award wise that Steelers fans could look out for this season? Uh, going down the stretch because I I know sometimes I forget that there's certain words awards that exist but I mean you know some Steelers fans are calling for Ben for MVP and I'm like just slow down uh, <laughs> like uh, you know and, and I think that he could eke into the conversation to say hey I'm in the background here but when you got Patrick Mahomes with 25 touchdown passes and one interception and, and you got all these other guys up there it's tough to compete with those when you're Ben Roethlisberger right now. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if you know, if Mike Tomlin gets these guys to uh, you know, sixteen and zero or fifteen and one, uh, he certainly he would uh, get a lot of consideration for Coach of the Year. But uh, I still think it's that's going to be Brian Flores uh, down in uh, Miami. Geez, so you're saying that if Mike Tomlin goes uh, goes undefeated this season, he still can't get a Coach of the Year? I just don't think he'll get the vote. I mean, I I think that you know the Dolphins, uh, looking at what they're doing here. Uh, you know, if, if Miami goes from uh, from what they were last year to let's say, I don't know, uh, eleven and five, twelve and four, whatever they end up being, uh, Flores is going to get an awful lot of attention for that award. Sheesh! Mike Tomlin can't win for winning, but uh, I mean, certainly Flores deserves a lot of credit for what they're putting together in, in Miami. They're a fun team to watch. Their defense is aggressive. Uh, I said when they got Byron Jones, him and Howard were going to be be a tough tandem to throw against. And, uh, and, and Tua, you know, a lot of people were saying, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick had them, you know, still winning games. Tua so far has looked pretty decent. Um, so 
we, we'll keep an eye on that. But those are all the different races that Steelers fans, you should be looking at. If you, if you want to go to the Pro Bowl, you have to believe you can do so on NFL.com. Vote for your favorite players. See how that goes. We'll be keeping you updated on these kind of races throughout the, throughout the rest of the season because it is, that, it is that time of the year where you start looking at who might those award winners be. But, of course, it's also going to depend on how they play throughout the, throughout the home stretch of this season. Dale, thanks so much for coming on the show as always. We'll be bringing you back for Friday's episode here on the DK Steelers podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's don't get me started time. What got me started? Find out at this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started with Mike Tomlin's latest quote in his press conference that I thought was hilarious. This is, don't get me started, the rant segment of the DK Steelers podcast. So, Mike Tomlin had several really quotable moments, but there was one moment in particular where I thought uh, was really funny in his Tuesday press conference. And you know, he was asked how the Steelers pre- prepare for quote-unquote trap games and if you know you all know the phrase the trap game is the game where the team that's playing extremely well plays against a team that's has a really bad record or a record that looks like oh okay that team should be a lot better than that team and then all of a sudden the team with the losing record beats beats the team or challenges the team and people are like oh man the team that with a better record they didn't come prepared for this one and it's a narrative that continues all and all again. And I've talked about this before. Uh, but Mike Tomlin encapsulates it very well. And something that I think I've said on this show when I've said, you know, it's not like Alabama playing Citadel. But Mike Tomlin, when asked about the trap game, he said, I don't believe in that. I don't think there are trap games. These are We're all professionals. He said, and, and the best part of the quote was, he said, we're not a Big Ten team playing a MAC opponent. First of all, it's hilarious because the Steelers have several players from the MAC, like Ben Roethlisberger and Deontay Johnson. Um, so I don't know if they took slight to that or if they're like, "Hey, coach, what, what's up, man? That's not cool." Um, but uh, but the point he makes is significant, and why? Because people who see records, they think that just because one record's better than another by by however many games, they think, "Oh yeah, this team is a lot to to win because they're just of, a, of another caliber." It's not like college football where teams just get to recruit all over the country and they just get the better players because they're the better programs. Every team has the same opportunity to get players every single year. Whether it's drafting, whether it's you know free agency, making room in your salary cap, trading for guys, everybody has equal means to get it. Now, if you stink, you get better, you get a higher shot in the draft. If you're good, you get a lower shot in the draft. That's just how it works. And when that happens, all the guys that make it to the NFL, they're professionals. The best of the best of the best. I believe to make it to the NFL, you have to be the 1% of the 1% 
of the 1% of the 1% of people that play football in this country. So help me out. I do believe that's in the tens of thousands. Like one in every 10,000 people that play football get a shot to even play in the NFL. And then that's that's even just the people that they get, they get to the NFL. Like you're an undrafted free agent that plays that plays in the preseason. And it's even smaller for guys that start or just have a career as a journeyman backup. Um, but the point is, is that when you get to the NFL, it's, it's not like what Mike Tomlin said, with a Big Ten versus a Mac opponent, these programs that are just so outmatching others. And yes, there are very good teams and very bad teams and good to great organizations to bad to horrible organizations. But again, the competitive advantage is, is still that they have the same even ground to work with throughout time. Because even with the Browns, they've drafted ahead of the Steelers for years, and, and the Steelers have dominated them. I mean, the Bengals are in that conversation too. The Steelers just completed their 10th straight regular season win over the Bengals. In that time, the Steelers have ranked ahead of the bang- Bengals, I believe, in all of those years. But part of it is still, when you look at it, the... The, the Bengals still have professionals that can beat teams. I mean, heck, the Bengals went out and beat the Titans, who were who were well, at that point had one loss in the season, and that was to, against the Steelers. But there's losses everywhere around the league. I mean, you look at some of the things that happened. You know, the team like the Buccaneers, they they got snuck by. They almost got snuck by the Giants, who were horrible. Um. I look, I look around the league, and I, I see teams that, you know, you think are going to be great. I mean, the, the Panthers, with three wins, you just saw them not do that well this past weekend against the Buccaneers. They were, they were one possession, one field goal away from beating the Chiefs in Kansas City. It just, it, it's not how, and how the NFL works with just thinking, oh, this team's going to beat this team because this team has a better record. Styles make fights. And you'll see teams with certain strengths that play well against other teams and don't play well against other teams regardless of their records. So when Mike Tomlin says this, just remember the next time you want to talk about his, his record against losing teams or the, the effect of a trap game, the notion of a trap game is pretty much false. In, in pro football, yes, there are teams that you should beat. There are teams that you 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 are you are you grade better than consistently. But in the NFL, there are also teams that will that will push you. I mean, those Cowboys, Garrett Gilbert. There was no reason to think that that quarterback was going to, you know, be as efficient as he was with the football, and he was he was solid. It just happened like that. But the Steelers weathered the storm. Now here's the thing. How you handle those moments when those teams that you think aren't supposed to be on your level play on your level. How you handle those moments, how you weather those storms, I think that determines how good or great of a team you are. And this year, the Steelers have dealt with that in spades. Whether it was against the Giants in Week 1, the Broncos in Week 2, the Texans in Week 3, the Eagles... I mean, you look across the board. I mean, the Cowboys. Those are all teams that you think that the Steelers should handily beat. Those teams gave them a knock. And, and, and 
it should be noted, for years this has been the stigma. Teams will be bad one week, and then when they play the Steelers, they know they got to get up to play the Steelers because the Steelers are that organization. They've been the top of the, the top of the top for the longest of the time in the NFL. So every, people, everyone gets up to play the Steelers, and that's another reason why these professionals sh shouldn't be looked at as if they're some small mid-major school going up against a Power 5 conference team that's been a powerhouse for decades. So kudos to Mike Tomlin for a really good reference in his, in his press conference on Tuesday. And just a reminder to all you yahoos, chill it with the trap game talk. Yes, there's things that the team needs to be able to do, but there's no guarantees on any game at any point in time in this NFL. But y'all got me started, and this is Don't Get Me Started here on the DK Steelers Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Check us out. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. We have the entire DK Podcast Network. Thanks for listening again. Please leave us five star a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts as well as a positive comment. That stuff really helps us out with the show. Be back in your ears tomorrow for the Thursday edition of the DK Steelers Podcast.